1: You, your lessons for living. Sin
2: does satisfy for a season, but then it doesn't. The Bible says, Sin enslaves. Satan will say to you, Do your own thing, have freedom. There's no freedom in that. You become a slave to sin. The Bible says that our sin will be found out. Satan says, You can pull the eyes over people. No, you can't. Satan also will say to us, It's okay, everybody, all roads lead to God. God's Word says that sin will permanently separate us from God.
0: Telling the truth from God's Word isn't unkind. Instead, it's a great example of God's love. We need to know the truth because Satan continually lies to us. He wants us to believe that sin will satisfy. It doesn't. Scripture says there's pleasure in sin, but only for a little time. Whatever amount of time it takes, you can guarantee when the reality of your choice hits and the consequences start rolling in, it's anything but fun. Satan will stop at nothing and use anything to get you to fall into his trap. Don't become a slave to sin. It's oppressive, destructive, and wrong. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 13, with our continuing study entitled, God's Love, Hate List.
2: If you've done that, then you've been dishonest. The scales, the eight hours of work you were put in is dishonest. It's a lie. God hates it. Now, if I've done that in a home setting and my children see that, it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth. Then I go to work Tuesday and somebody says, Well, how you feeling? I heard you, you know, I was here working Friday and you were near the boss, said you were sick. Oh, I was okay. I needed the day off. I'm fine now. Oh, by the way, would you come next week into church with me? we got a great thing going on there. Is there a problem? You see, we look at it in the corporate world and say, well, there's no problem. It's just a little thing. No, it's not a little thing. God hates dishonesty. He hates dishonest scales. The same way when you and I go into work and we work for eight hours, and we ourselves at the end of eight hours know we put in about four, but we played around the rest of the day. Now, the boss doesn't know it. The co-workers don't know it, but we know it. Well, it's all right. just didn't feel like putting it in today. Is that honest or dishonest? It's totally dishonest. It's as if, which none of us would do, would have marked our time card wrong. That's dishonest. That's a lie. So the Bible says all of these kind of simple things are lies. Look at Proverbs 12. Turn back. Proverbs 12, verse 13. God's word is so practical. We need his help and his encouragement as we live life that we would live as God designed in Proverbs 12:13, it says this, An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. Trapped. Interesting word, trapped. We've all experienced it. We've told a lie. We know it's wrong. We know the very next thing we should do is correct that, certainly to God first, and then to those that we've told. We know the easiest way to admit it is when? Right now but we don't we're trapped and pretty soon it goes on and on and on and what we find in our life that one lie often leads to another I was reading an actual story this week a guy counted it up this must have been a doozy of a lie but after he finished lying he told 42 lies to cover up the first now that's a lot of forgiving he's going to have to go through that word trap means just what it says There's no freedom. We're trapped. Now, some of you this morning wish you'd never have come. You're trapped. You're right in the middle. God's word is speaking to a situation in your life. Kidding aside, you've lied. You're living a lie right now. You're involved in it. You, you know you should have asked God's forgiveness. You know you should have corrected with the person. And I want to say to you this morning, don't leave this building today trapped. Confess your sin. Go to the people that you need to make it right. It doesn't matter if it's 2 or 42. Get it taken care of. God hates a lying tongue. Not only does he hate it, but we live with that trapped feeling. Now, for those of you that are old enough to understand this statement, you young guys don't get it, but us that are over 50 will understand this statement. Listen to this. Tell the truth the first time, and you won't have to worry about having a bad memory. That's why it's for those 50 and over. You see, if, we're not, if we don't play around with lies, we don't have to think, what did I really saying? No, just, just say it like it is. God hates all. Turn to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. What does God think of lying? We, we know he hates it. Are there any other warnings from God? Well, boy, in verse 8, chapter 21, we see it. Look what we read. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic at large, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what does all this have to do And there's none of those kind of people in here? Hold on. The idolaters and all what? All liars. Those who have lied and have never asked God's forgiveness. Just continue in that habit. All liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. There are no liars in heaven. Now that balances out this little white lie deal quickly. It's serious. Now the opposite of lying is truth. Truth is part of God's character. In fact, there's a great statement in the Bible. You heard me already say it this morning. The Bible tells me that God cannot lie. John 17 17 Jesus says this sanctify them speaking to his disciples by the truth your word is truth in other words God's word his bible is truth all of it that's why Satan is always attacking the bible he knows it's true just think about this this morning the bible itself has stood the test of time But there's many people this morning saying that this word is not true. But it is true. It's all true. It's God's word. It's his character. The Holy Spirit is that spirit of truth for us this morning. How wonderful next week and the following week when I talk from book of Proverbs on marriage and family, how to get along, how to pick the right spouse. is it wonderful to be able to say, if you come next week, if you bring up a neighbor, a friend, someone who's struggling in their marriage... Do you know the truth of this will change their life if they'll let it? Gal left the service last night. She says, I know you don't know me by name. And I said, well, I recognize you. Because a few weeks before she had come, gotten saved, their marriage was a total disaster. She says, I want to tell you something. My husband has agreed to come to the Lord, he wants to work on our marriage and put our marriage back together. she just smile and like it be. Now, how did that happen? Because of me? No, because the truth of God's word. You get your life straight, you put God first, all other things will fall into place. You see, that's the truth, that's the ability that we have this morning to say, I don't care what Satan says to you. God's word is true. And it changes lives still today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 2, it says this, Paul speaking, We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You see, when we hear the word of God, often we're guilty. Paul says, as a teacher of God's word, I can't hold it back from you. I can't use deceptive ways. I can't distort the truth. Even if it's still unpopular, I must teach all the word of God. Now, truth by definition is narrow. Truth by definition is narrow. Now you say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Mark? What what does the truth have to do with our lives? When, When we talk about marriage next week, I will say to you this, there's only one marriage that God approves of. One man And one woman under God. Now, our world today, especially our sitcoms, would say that's not true. Well, I'm sorry. They're wrong. And God's word is true. Let every other man be a liar. God's word is true. Now, we don't say that in a hateful way. But we say it in a truthful way. Now, there are some churches today, as Paul said in this verse, notice. They're going to be in deception. They're going to distort. They're going to say, it doesn't matter. But it does matter. Now, we're not here to make people angry. But we're sure here to have people hear the... Truth. When Jesus taught, there were always, usually, three responses. Some people would hear the word, and they would say, "This, okay, you got me." In fact, when Jesus taught, versus when the Pharisees taught, you know what the people said? Read in the first few chapters of Mark. They said, "This, we never heard. Wow, we never heard teaching like this because it was truth. It was from God's heart. It was Jesus speaking the truth." So. Just as when I teach the Word of God, there's usually three responses. First response are people listen to the Word and go, okay, ooh, got me. I need to correct my mouth. I need to ask God's forgiveness. Or whatever. God speaks to us. The second response that we get, and we'll get it in these services, is this. And when Jesus taught, people would laugh. When Paul taught, people would laugh. And they would just leave. No way, what a joke. And once in a while, on our services, people will get up, and not the ones that have to go get their children, but they will just get up and they'll leave the service. Why? Because they don't want to hear the truth. Now, don't get embarrassed about that. I mean, our goal isn't to see how many we can have leave, but our goal is also not to what? Distort the truth so everybody leaves. Hey, we can just live however we want. This is wonderful. No, that's not any good for you. The third response is this. Some of you here this morning are saying, hmm, I need a little more time to think about this. Could that really be true? Good job. You keep coming, God will open your eyes to the truth. You can't say this about Jesus. When people left the teaching of Jesus Christ and of Paul and any teacher that teaches the Word, they didn't go like this, I wonder what he wanted us to do. When they left... It was laid out, and God spoke to them. That's a goal of mine. When you leave this building this morning, God will have spoken to your heart. Some of you are going to laugh and make fun. It's all right. Be open, because God will change your heart. Search it. Some of you are saying, Hmm, I need to, I need." first time here, this is a funky place, and there's music, and they even study the Bible here. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. You're thinking about it. Keep on. Others of you will make that change. Listen to this statement. Telling the truth from God's word is not unkind. In fact, it's a great example of love. How much we need to know what the truth is. Satan lies to us. He says to us, well, sin will satisfy. He doesn't give us the whole story. Like little Emily, her dog got broke, but she got broke because she hit it over a brother's head. Sin does satisfy for a season, but then it doesn't. The Bible says sin enslaves. Satan will say to you, do your own thing, have freedom. There's no freedom in that. You become a slave to sin. The Bible says that our sin will be found out. Satan says you can pull the eyes over people. No, you can't. Satan also will say to us, it's okay, everybody, all roads lead to God. God's word says that sin will permanently separate us from God. Now, I'm just going to ask you to write a couple verses down. I'm not going to go there this morning because of time. Proverbs 12, 17, and verse 19 speaks about an honest witness in the court setting. You know, when you go in the court setting, you put your hand on the Bible, so help me, God, do you think that changes anybody's lives? We hear a lot of lying in the courtroom. Well, that's why one of the verses that we read this morning was about a witness, that we need to absolutely be an honest witness wherever we're at. See, God designed our mouths to speak truth. He wants us to be authentic, honest, truthful in every area of our life. We cannot be inauthentic people saying one thing and living another way and expecting to have impact in our world. The second sin of action, I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 9. The second sin we'll talk about this morning that God hates is a sin of action. Hands that shed innocent blood. When you get to Genesis 9, let's look down at verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of god has god made man right by that verse if you'd like to write you can write this capital punishment you see the bible tells us that god established the government and human authority to bring guidance protection organization to our world a world that was in rebellion then a world that's still in rebellion today Without this restraint of authority, man, would we have complete lawlessness and chaos. So this verse, it provides us the explanation and the justification for capital punishment. Take a moment this morning and look at the person next to you. Look right in their eyes. Go ahead. Just do it. Look right in their eyes. The person you looked at was created in whose image? In the image of God. That tells us this morning that every person has infinite value to God. I'm valuable to God. My self-esteem is God-esteem. God proved my worth by sending His Son to die for me. The whole world, but to die for me. Remember, one of the Ten Commandments was simply this. You shall not die murder. You shall not have hands that shed innocent blood. There are two areas today I'm just going to touch lightly on that are involved in this. Euthanasia and abortion. I was reading recently of a bioethicist. His name is Peter Singer. He gave a speech at a disability conference in New Hampshire. Listen what he says. The killing of a defective infant is not morally equivalent to the killing of a person. Very often, the killing of a defective infant is not wrong at all. That's a lie from Satan. You and I know, we've discovered many of those kids, down kids and whatever. They are able to show us more love than a normal child. How special. But these people that want to take our life when we get to a certain age and are no good, or take our life in the womb. It's murder. It's hands that shed innocent blood. By the way, you're going to see we support one of the local Rights to Life thing here in saving our children from abortion. There is a new push to move into those clinics. They have a new publication called Unmasking Fake Clinics. A booklet accuses crisis pregnancy centers of luring women to the facilities under false pretenses, depriving them of accurate information needed to make a fully informed choice, and using fear tactics to dissuade them from choosing legal abortion. The guide also encourages people to go posing as a client but secretly taping conversations with the purpose of eventually filing a lawsuit against these crisis pregnancy centers. See, there's an all-out attack of Satan against anything that would save life. Satan is a liar. By the way, every abortion runs approximately $300 or more. Do the math. Now you know why the faults. You see, this morning, I know there's people here, and when I mention this topic, it's always a difficult topic. You've aborted children before you came to the Lord. When you ask God to forgive you, he forgave you. You start brand new. You don't have to live under that condemnation. That condemnation is another lie from Satan. You just start from that day and go forward. Maybe you hear you're not a Christian yet, and you fall into that category. Every sin is forgivable. You come. His grace will cover it. You can start again. Put it out of your mind. Don't leave this morning condemned. But God hates people in that category. Well, what is the opposite of taking a life? Well, the opposite is saving a life. Jude 23 says this, We are to snatch others from fire and save them. When we pray, when we witness to an unbeliever, it's as if we're snatching them from what? The fires of hell. So instead of taking a life, we need to save a life. There's another verse that I want to give you this morning. You see it also on the overhead. First Timothy 4.16 says this. Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere is the word you want to circle in that line. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We have to be authentic. We shared with you about maybe three weeks ago now. That if you're going to put a new godly habit, or really any habit in your life, you've got to make it a habit for how many days? You remember 21. We're at 21 days. How you doing with the habits that God spoke to you about? Oh, me. <laughs> you remember some of you said, well, we're going to go over here to the chapel store, we're going to get a book, and I'm going to take it home? Oh, you've done that. But we were going to also what? Oh. We were going to read it. Some of you said, well, I'm going to start that journaling again in the morning. Man, I'm going to get right into it. And for the first five days, man, you did good. We're 16 days. Start again. Some of you, you just challenge yourself. You're going to get in a small group. You're not in a small group yet. Start again. You see, notice what this says. Watch your life. Your life. I can't watch your life. You have to watch your life. You have to pay attention to your own life. You have to understand that. If I do that, I become authentic. And notice this verse that I not only save myself, but who else? People that I'm witnessing to. The people that I didn't call in sick. The day that I did go to work when I wanted the day off. My life has been authentic. We come to the last one this morning. Turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20. It's the sin of influence. Stirring up dissension among brothers. God hates a man or a woman who is always involved with strife, with discord, with contention. Notice Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Turn over to Proverbs 26, 21. You see, when God designed us in His image, He didn't design us to live alone. He designed us to live as a body, a team, to interact with each other. God gave us the ability to function together. And we, as individuals, have great influence on each other, especially in those student years, junior high and high school.
0: So God designed our mouths to speak truth. It helps us be authentic, honest, and reliable in every area of our lives. Remember, you can't be inauthentic by saying one thing and then doing the opposite, expecting to have the right kind of impact in your world. These times of great uncertainty, it's important to know who you can count on for the truth. Make sure you're a go-to person for God's cause, helping others to do life right. Thanks so much for joining us today. Castor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 4020, and the title of this message is God's Love Hate List. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 4020, and the title of this message is God's Love Hate List. How we influence people is important, so our attitudes and agendas need to be kept in check especially within the body of Christ. Negativity is the perfect breeding ground for bitterness and strife and is the perfect atmosphere for Satan to cause division in God's church. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will help us learn how to keep a healthy difference of opinion from becoming an infectious cause of dissent. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard. His word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons for this.